Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Oh, it is so good to be here. Good to see you all today. Thank you for the warm welcome that you've given to Judy and me. Judy uh, had to head home after the first service because we have a big family gathering at our house for Father's Day. And we'll have uh, two of our daughters and their husbands and 10 of our 11 grandchildren will be there. So would you intercede for me this afternoon? God will give me energy and strength. Um, my four children, uh, three, three daughters and one son, were all involved in sports as they were growing up. And as a result, I have attended more baseball games and basketball games, volleyball games, soccer matches than I can keep track of. And now I'm doing it again with grandchildren. But my favorite sport, I have to say, that I always enjoyed going to see my kids compete in was track, was track meets. Uh, my daughter Stephanie ran track at Bothell High School, and uh, she ran the 400-meter race, which, for those of you who don't know, that's just one lap around. And uh, I say it's just one lap around. They're sprinting, and uh, the good ones do it in under a minute, as Stephanie was very uh, capable of doing. And her senior year, she got to go with the 4 by 400 relay team to the state meet, which was held in Tacoma that year. And uh, usually track meets are not all that well attended. It's usually, you know, some parents and a few other interested people that might show up. But when it's a state meet, the grandstands were filled, and I can't even tell you how exciting it was just to see Stephanie and her teammates compete at that level. There's something about the relay events that I always um, especially liked because there's a combination of individual effort and the connection between teammates that it just is so exciting to me. And so much depends upon the transition of the the baton that they're carrying from one athlete to the other. So I actually brought a a track baton with me today. And so if you're watching a track meet, you'll see uh, the person that's running, and they're concluding their part of the race. They hold their hand back like this, and the other person is reaching forward to grab it. And that's such a a tense moment because, and and they they practice it over and over again. At track meets, you'll see the the, uh, relay athletes in the field practicing the transfer of the baton over and over again because nothing's worse than than that happening you hear that thunk and you realize all the training all the work that they've done uh, is lost in that moment because you're not going to make up time uh, when you drop a baton when it comes to the christian faith we're running in a relay race in some ways there comes a point at which the baton of faith has passed to us, maybe from a family member that's preceded us or from a friend or uh, a pastor, someone um, who has passed the baton to us. And then there comes a point at which we are called to pass the baton to those who will follow us. Might be family members. It might be people that we come in contact with, friends, work associates. But unlike running a race, the faith baton is not passed in an instant, typically. Uh, it takes years and even decades Uh, of time for the baton to be passed. And a person does not stop running themselves once they've passed the baton to others. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, the Apostle Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. We have a, a whole chapter in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. 
that lays out for us people that have run the race before us. It highlights many Old Testament figures, uh, some of whom we're very familiar with and others that are maybe a little more obscure to us, but people who carried the baton of faith and in their day, they followed God and passed it on to others. We move through the, the book of Hebrews 11 or the chapter of Hebrews 11 and read names like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Abraham's son Isaac and his son Jacob and Joseph who followed him. And we read about Moses. Gideon's name is mentioned there. Uh, the the um, uh, name Barak and Samson and Jephthah. But there's, uh, these are all male names, but there's a female name in there too. And it's the name Rahab, which is fascinating to me that her name would be in this hall of fame, if you will, of people who carried the, the baton of faith. Because the words preceding Rahab's name, well, it reads like this. By faith, the prostitute, Rahab. Those words should inspire you if you consider yourself too messed up to carry the baton of faith. Because here's a woman who had a life of prostitution, and then she chose to follow God. And God used her and even included her name among the great heroes of faith. David and Samuel, <clears throat> on and on the list goes. Life was not easy for most of these people, and Hebrews 11 tells us that. They, they uh, died martyrs' deaths, some of them. It was uh, very challenging for them, but faithfully they carried the baton of faith. Then we move to the New Testament. We read about people like Peter, whom the Lord handed the baton of faith to, and Peter handed it on to, to many others. And then there was a man named Saul, who was a persecutor of the church. Who would have thought that God would call him to carry the baton of faith, change his name to the Apostle Paul, and write much of the New Testament, including the words that I just read from 1 Corinthians. And I want to do something this morning. As I continue my message, I'm going to talk about my grandfather. And uh, I want to take this baton, and I want to pass it, have you pass it, uh, amongst yourselves today. Just as a reminder, a physical reminder of what we're called to do. We receive the, the, the call to faith in Jesus Christ, and we pass it on to others. And so uh, as the baton makes its way down this section, uh, just make sure it gets all the way to the back, and then the folks in the back, if you'll get it over to this section and take it on over to the final section here. And uh, it will be a way, just a tangible way for us to remember the privilege that we have of, of carrying the baton of faith and the responsibility we have to pass it along. John Elmer Morrison was born on March 7th, 1896 in Manitoba, Canada, my grandfather. Early in his life, his family moved to the province of Ontario, and it was while he was in Ontario, he met a young lady named Laura Hiller, who lived in a city that was then called Berlin, Ontario. And during World War I, Berlin was not a very popular name because it was associated with, with the, the Berlin and Germany, of course. And so they actually changed the name of the city during World War I. It's now called Kitchener, Ontario. Well, Elmer, my grandfather, Laura, uh, my grandmother met there. And by the way, Laura, uh, her, her maiden name was Hiller. And her brother went by the name Dutch, Dutch Hiller. And Dutch was a great hockey player. He played in the National Hockey League for many years and actually won two Stanley Cups, one with the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and one with the New York Rangers. So um, I like to bra brag about my athletic uh, background there. My grandfather served as a pastor in Ontario in two towns, Athens, Ontario, and St. Catharines, Ontario. 
But during this time, my grandparents had this burning desire that just kept growing in them to go to the mission field, and particularly to go to the mission field in China. And in 1923, they boarded a ship, and you've probably heard the expression, a slow boat to China. That was about the only way to get there in those days. And um, I'm not sure if they left from Vancouver, B.C., or from San Francisco. There's a little um, un- unclear to me as to which city they left from. But they boarded this ship with their, their little boy, who had, was just a couple years old. His name was Charles, and Charles is my father. And they traveled across the Pacific Ocean. They landed uh, in China. And uh, it's hard for us to imagine what a culture shock that must have been. I mean, we today can see movies and videos, and we can look up things online to find out about other places. But going to this place had to be so dramatic, the, the difference. If you've ever been to Asia, just the, the crowds of people and the, the different cultural uh, expressions are, uh, are quite, quite profound. And so uh, the three of them, my father and his mother and father, uh, learned the Cantonese language. There's two major dialects of Chinese, Mandarin and Cantonese. Cantonese was usually spoken in the southern part of China. They learned the Cantonese language. In fact, for my father, it was basically his first language. So he grew up uh, speaking Chinese and was very fluent in it all his life. Even uh, my father uh, had dementia in uh, his latter years, and, but he never lost his ability to speak Cantonese. So Elmer and Laura Morrison started at least nine churches that we know of in China. Uh, They started a refugee camp. They started an orphanage and a Bible college. The Bible college is called Ecclesia Bible Institute. And they didn't start that till 1947. While they were in China, they had four more children. (coughs) Excuse me. So my my father had uh, two brothers and two sisters. Now, when the communists came in to China and they were changing the nation dramatically uh, into a communist nation. They moved from east to west to do that. And and the armies were were taking over the country bit by bit. Well, my grandfather at that point sent my grandmother, all my aunts and uncles, my father was an adult by this time, so he was back in the United States. But my my grandfather sent his wife, his other children to Australia for them to be safe. And he stayed in China. And he stayed just in front of the communists as they were taking over the nation. And he began to evangelize and disciple and start churches. And he did that for two years, staying in front of them, because it took that long for them to take over the whole nation. And for those two years, my grandmother never knew anything that was going on with him, didn't know if he was dead or alive. There's no way to get any word out. He eventually got over to the western part of of China, and... um, he needed to get out some way, and God bless the Flying Tigers, this group of, of men from the United States who were pilots. They flew him out. They flew him to the country that was then called Burma. It's now called Myanmar. And uh, then he was able to be reunited with his family, and he moved the whole family back to Hong Kong, which at that time was un- under British rule. And he reestablished many of the ministries, including the Bible School, Ecclesia Bible Institute, there in Hong Kong. He started many churches in Hong Kong, as he had also in China. One of the churches in Hong Kong that is still there today, it's in a part of Hong Kong called Shatin. Uh, that's the way most of us pronounce it. If you're Chinese, you say Satin. 
And uh, I've had the privilege of visiting there several times. And I have to say, um, my friend Alan Skoog is here today. Uh, the first time that I was ever in that church building, it was because of Alan. Uh, Alan and I were leading a group of 80 um, high school and college students. Uh, they were a youth choir. And uh, we took them over to Asia to a few different countries. Hong Kong was our final stop. <clears throat> and we happened to be there during um, a typhoon. And uh, it was, it kind of threw a monkey wrench into all of our plans. And I told Alan, I said, I really want to go to uh, the church that was built in my grandfather's honor. And I said, oh, Judy and I will just get a taxi and we'll go there. And he said, no, I want the whole group to go with you. And I said, Alan, I mean, that's like two buses and it's just too much. He says, we're all going. And uh, he wouldn't take no for an answer. I appreciate that so much, Alan. And you might remember, Alan, that uh, I walked into that building and there's a big picture of my grandfather on the wall and a, a plaque honoring him. And I just lost it at that moment. And I might do it again right now. Um, it was so moving to me. And uh, since then, I've been honored to visit that church several times. Uh, it's a much larger building now than when I first visited it. And uh, Judy and I, sometimes when we're over there, our ministry now involves uh, working with missionaries over in Asia. And so we travel a fair amount over to that part of the world. And we're in Hong Kong. We try to visit that church, uh, particularly if, it's, if we're there over a Sunday. And so one time we were there on a Sunday, and I said, let's go like after the, the service starts. So, you know, people aren't like, because people just, when they hear that I'm a Morrison, they just kind of mob us. It's kind of embarrassing almost. And so uh, we, we went in the middle of the service and we're walking into the, the lobby of the church and a lady comes to us and said, I'm sorry, but our services are, are in Chinese and you probably wouldn't understand it. Just wanted you to know that. And I said, I, I understand that. That's fine. Um, I said, my name is Mark Morrison. And, my, and she said, Morrison. And she looked at the big picture on the wall of my grandfather and the plaque that was there, and she ushered us in uh, to the back of the, the, the service, and they got word to the pastor up front, and they made a big deal out of it and so on. So I, I try to be a little careful when I go there because the Morrison name is uh, it's pretty weighty there. Well, in 1960, um, Elmer, my grandfather, had a stroke a very severe stroke, and he was paralyzed on his left side. And honestly, I, I only remember him after his stroke. I was born in 1954. The stroke happened in 1960. I hadn't had much contact with him as, in my early years because he was over in Hong Kong. And uh, so uh, in 1960, uh, he had to return to Canada at that time, which was his home, and he passed away in 1965. I've had the privilege of taking two trips to, to China and Hong Kong with my father when he was still living. And one of those trips, my brother uh, traveled with us as well. And we went into uh, the southern part of China where my grandparents had ministered, went to the town called Qingyun, where my grandparents had lived for many years. And uh, it was so wonderful to be there with my father, first of all, because he was an amazing interpreter, but also because... Uh, he was reliving some of his past and he was walking down streets and he was trying to remember the buildings and, and just all the surroundings. Uh, Pastor Barry encouraged me to tell this story of uh, the, the time that we were there in Hong Kong, uh, my brother and I and my father. And uh, most people didn't expect a very Caucasian looking man to speak Chinese with no accent and just very fluently. 
So we were on a subway. The, the MTR is, is the subway system in Hong Kong. And that's the way most people get around there. Very busy, high-density population uh, city. So we're in, on the MTR. We're, we're riding along. We're holding uh, the bar as, as we go along just to steady ourselves. And on one stop, these two young men got on. And they were standing opposite my brother and my father and me. And they started talking about us in Chinese not suspecting that the man standing next to me understood everything that they said. And so my father was standing next to me. He was just whispering in my ear all these things that the guys were saying about us. And at one point, my father said, they just said, look what big noses they have. (laughs) My father didn't let on. He just kept talking English to me. And um, so the next stop, the, the doors open. These two young men are getting off the train. And my father, in Chinese, just said to them, our noses aren't that big. <laughs> they turned around and they had that kind of look on their face. The doors of the, of the train closed and off we sped. It was a great moment. Um, when, I, when I spoke at uh, the church in Chatin and also at Ecclesia Bible School, um, my father was there and interpreted for me. And I can't tell you how... Um, moving that was to me to be able to do that. Uh, my father passed away in the year 2000. And, uh, but the ministry of the Bible school, which is now called Ecclesia Theological Seminary, it's become a graduate school for those that are heading into ministry, uh, is still there. And uh, a wonderful story about that school. Uh, when I had visited there, when it was in Chatin, um, it was obvious that the building had been there for a long time and there had not been the funds to, uh, to renovate it and, and to keep it going. And in a tropical climate like that, things tend to deteriorate uh, faster even. And uh, so I just remember thinking, wow, this place really needs some help. Well, a few years later, the MTR, the subway system in Hong Kong, came to the Bible school and said, we would really value your property and like to open an MTR station here. And here's what we are prepared to do. There's a piece of property. It's out a little bit further uh, from the main part of Hong Kong. But we will give you this property and we will build to your specifications the building entirely just as a trade, as a swap. So it cost the, the institution absolutely nothing. And they had this brand new, it's a beautiful building, absolutely beautiful. Um, like it's this marble uh, floor in, in the foyer as you walk in and a stairway up to the uh, library. There's a picture of my grandfather and this, the other uh, people that have overseen the school over the years. And uh, it's just amazing how God has provided that. 2017 was the 70th anniversary of Ecclesia Theological Seminary, and Judy and I were privileged to be there for their celebration. It was at this big hotel ballroom, and uh, I was invited up representing the Morrison family, and I was given this this gift of a scroll that was scripture uh, written in Chinese, and uh, I have to have other people read it for me because my father did not teach me Chinese, so I don't speak it as well. About a year and a half ago, um, I began a commitment of about once a month, I speak to the senior community at Krista uh, on Sundays. So like next Sunday, I'll be there, and in the mornings, I speak to one group of of seniors, and then Sunday evening, I speak at Chris Wood Park um, to another group there. 
So the first time I did that was about a year and a half ago. I was there on a Sunday evening, and I just happened to mention in the context of my sermon that my grandparents had been missionaries in China, and I didn't dwell on it. I just moved on. Well, after the service was over, people were coming up to me and thanking me for being there and greeting me. And this lady came up to me. She had a walker, and she walked slowly up to me. She said, my husband and I weren't in China, but we were in Hong Kong for 30 years serving as missionaries there. And I said, oh, I just love Hong Kong. And I said, that's where my grandparents ended, ended their ministry. My grandfather uh, headed a Bible school there. And she looked at me and she said, what was the name of the school? And I told her. And she said, well, who was your grandfather? And I said, Elmer Morrison. That's right, Liz, we should put their picture up there. I forgot to tell you to do that. Yeah. Um, there's Elmer and Laura. Um, they were about 50 years old in this picture. It was taken in 1946. And uh, so this lady asked me who my grandfather was, and she looked at me, and she pointed at me, and she said, your grandfather had a stroke in 1960. And I said, yes, how did you know that? She says, because my husband and I moved to Hong Kong in 1960, and my husband took the place of your grandfather. I had no idea. I'd never heard this woman's name. I, did, I knew nothing of her. And here she was at Krista this time. Her name is Louise Grison. Maybe some of you have met Louise. Her husband was Paul. He died a few years ago. I think she's 96 years old. And every time when I, when I go to Krista, I look for Louise because we have this connection that she knew my grandparents. My grandparents would be about 130 years old. Were they still alive? And uh, Louise knew them. And so the next time I came to speak there at Krista, she brought me all these pictures of she and her husband and my grandparents. And she said, until last year, I had here at Krista your grandmother's Chinese Bible in my room. And she said, last year, I found a relative, and I, moved, I mailed it to them up in Canada. And I said, who was who that? She said, Keith Morrison. I said, yeah, that's my uncle. That's my father's youngest sibling, the only one that's still living. He's in his early 90s himself. And uh, I tell you, what a, what a gift it was to me to, to have this connection with her, and I believe a gift to her as well. We've gotten together and had dinner uh, since then, and um, she's a wonderful person. What a... What a wonderful thing. I, I got to tell you, I'm so proud of my grandparents and the godly heritage that, that they have provided for me. My grandmother lived until 1979, so I got to know her better than my grandfather because our lives overlapped a little longer. But those wonderful people that you see on the screen, they passed the baton of faith to my father. And he and my mother passed the baton of faith to me, my brother, and my sister. And I want so much to see that that baton gets passed on to my children, my grandchildren. I think of the scripture where the Apostle Paul was addressing Timothy, a young pastor. In 2 Timothy 1.5, he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul was talking about the baton of faith. And all those people that are listed in Hebrews 11, ran the race. And Caden was up here earlier reading us the first couple verses of Hebrews chapter 12 that talked about that race. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and run the race with perseverance. Some of you in this room today, like me, have family members who pass the baton of faith to you. Let's not take that for granted, friends, those of us that have had that as part of our, our family history, our heritage we are privileged. There's other, others of us here in the room today, and 
You are the first in your family to carry the baton of faith. God bless you. Carry it well. Run the race with all your heart and do everything you can to pass the baton to those who will follow. Might be family members. Maybe you're a single person. You don't have any uh, family members that you might pass it to. But, but others, friends, work associates, you can pass the baton to. And I tell you, one of the things I always loved when I watched my daughter Stephanie run in a track relay race was after her leg of the race was won, typically she would be the the third out of the four runners, and she would pass the baton off. And then she would stand in the infield, and she and her other teammates that had already run are cheering like crazy for the the person that's running the anchor leg of, of that race. That's what God has called us to do, friends. Not to criticize not to tear down, but to cheer on and say, run, run hard, carry that baton of faith. What will be said about us in years to come? Did we run the race well? Did we stay on course? Did we faithfully carry the baton and pass it on well to those who follow us? The answer to those questions is being determined by the way you and I are living our lives right now. The decisions we're making, the priorities that we build our lives around, we represent Jesus right now in this time. Now, you may have been running your leg of the race for a long time, and maybe you're getting near the end of that race. Others of us here, maybe you just picked up the baton of faith. You might be right in the middle of your leg of the faith relay race. I'm here today to challenge you to run hard, to run strong. Don't allow yourself to get sidetracked. Or distracted. Some of you, maybe you're thinking, you know, I've, I've dropped the baton. Well, it's not too late. You pick it back up and get back in the race. Every follower of Jesus Christ is called to carry the baton of faith and represent Jesus in our time. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this Father's Day. We can stop and reflect upon what a good good father you are. And thank you that, that I can reflect upon a, a grandfather and a, and a father who followed you and who passed the baton of faith on to me. And I pray that each of us in this room today would realize that we have a privilege and a responsibility to carry on that heritage, that legacy of, of running in the race. And we're, whether the, we're running the first leg for our family or perhaps we've had it passed to us for many generations before. I pray that you would uh, help us, that you would uh, enable us to run with endurance and perseverance the race before us. In Jesus' name, amen.